You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Bob Martin. I'm a co-book writer, co-screenwriter of The Prom. Hi, I'm Chad Beglin. I'm lyricist and co-screenwriter of The Prom. Hi, I'm Matthew Sklar, composer of The Prom. Hi, I'm Adam Anders, producer and executive music producer of The Prom. Hi, I'm Gordon Cox. I am the contributing theater editor at Variety and the host of Variety's Stagecraft podcast. I wonder if we could talk a bit about some of the songs in detail. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I wonder if we could talk about Unruly Heart, which has become sort of an anthem uh, for not only the show, but it's also the name of this initiative that two of the stars of the film, Joellen Pellman and uh, Ariana DeBose, launched to direct folks to organizations that support LGBTQ plus youth. Mm. Um, What... Uh, tell me, tell us about uh, what role that song, uh, you know, fills in the story and uh, how it, what it means to you. You know, we wanted it to be a song that the character wrote herself and really was about her experience sort of coming to accept herself. And um, the idea of an unruly heart came to me and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, you, you can't control it. You, can't, you try and you try and you just keep failing um, until you realize you should just <laughs> let it be the best thing about you. Um, and so... I don't remember if it was lyrics first or music. I I had a oh, I had the tune first. Yeah. I had the mm-hmm. tune first, but I, I don't know if I had the bridge yet. But I but I what I remember is I wrote the tune first, um, and we had a version of it that we were all pretty happy with, and we did that out of town in Atlanta, um, and then uh, we had another workshop lab after after Atlanta, um, and Casey said. He really likes the song, but something is missing. And he just asked me if I'd come up with a bigger vocal build um, towards the end. And can you please do it before lunch? I remember that. (laughs) Um, And uh, so I remember running downstairs with Mary Mitchell Campbell, our music supervisor, and just trying to figure it out. And then, and then we, we felt like we had it. And then we ran upstairs and taught it to everybody. And we presented it to Casey and he was sobbing and everybody in the room was sobbing. We're like, Oh, okay. That, that was a great, moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so glad, you know, he pushed us to do that because it made it better. And that's what makes him a great, that's what makes him a great director. He just keeps pushing you to make it constantly better. Even when you think it's, wait, what's wrong with that? No, he was right. It was, I'm glad we did that final push because I think that that final, um, you know, that acapella chord when all the kids are singing, it's just so powerful and it makes me emotional every single time I hear it. And to me that, that song is, you know, very much the heart of the movie and, and the Broadway show. 
Yeah. Um, for me, anytime I see any version of the prom, either on stage or on film, the song that is on a loop in my head for the following, I don't know, two weeks is Tonight Belongs to You. And uh, that that number, which <laughs> all, is this all kind eight of minutes of it. Or yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it goes on and on. <laughs> <laughs> But that's such an interesting song in that it is uh, it is such a sort of lively uh, song and feels like this, you know, feel good empowerment anthem that then gets subverted uh, by the end of it. And I mm -hmm. wonder, uh, tell me a little bit about the creation of that. And then Adam, I feel like that song in particular gave you a lot of leeway in terms of how big you could go in terms of creating a sound and a, and a drive for that piece. Yeah. I remember it taking a long time to write because there were so many elements and it was quite frankly really cinematic when we were writing it for the stage because it was going to so many different places. Um, and it needed to be a melody, a lyric and a chord structure that would feel right for Barry and then also right for the kids. Um, and then we needed a section for Mrs. Green. And for some reason, I just felt like she should sound like a plucky Tupperware lady. So I just did a kind of a pizzicato strings thing for her. And I'm really enjoying that. And by the way, Kerry Washington sounds amazing doing that. And I had no idea she could sing like that. <laughs> um, but it was all it was all really fun to write. But it was a huge puzzle um, working with with, uh, you know, Chad and me and then and then Casey working with Glenn Kelly to figure out what the dance music was. And, and, and it's yeah, I think on stage it's like seven and a half minutes or something like that. Um, but it was really, it was a tough nut to crack. It was also lyrically, uh, I wanted something that would keep changing. So it's tonight belongs to you, tonight, tonight belongs to me, tonight belongs to us, right. tonight belongs to, to them, you know, so that it kept mm -hmm. the ownership of that prom, kept getting passed around and, and sort of changing it at, at each stage. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And then Adam, did you have fun with uh, blowing that song up? For the <laughs> it actually was a lot of fun because I love how many movements there are to it and how it keeps changing and switching gears. And, um, you know, yeah, and Carrie was a revelation. I think when she's saying that, that's when we started trying to figure out how, where we can shove yeah. her in everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know that I've met an actor that loves to sing more than her, just the sheer joy of singing and how much oh. it means to her. Um, so it, it meant a lot to us to try and find more things for her to do. Um, but that's a side note. Um, but yeah, she sounds so good when she comes in there. I love it every time. Uh, and I think the biggest uh, transformation uh, from you know the original to this version is is the big you know the what we call the sad prom or the the big prom or the <laughs> the fake prom. I don't know which prom. Big There's prom. so many proms. There's so many proms. <laughs> that prom. I call it the mean prom in my yes. head. But mm -hmm. uh, sad prom. The yeah. mean prom. Yeah. yeah. No sad prom is uh, the no, one. Sad prom is later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now she was screwing me up. Uh, mean prom, let's go mean with that. Prom, evil it. prom, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that needed to just be huge, right? And and right. Uh, and but then it had to feel, which this was one of the things we were able to do that you probably couldn't do because you had like three minutes probably in the studio on Broadway. We got to program something for the kids, you know. Yeah. It's like there's no time. Mm -hmm. Whereas we could do like a full-on EDM, you know, <laughs> Skrillex or whatever. <laughs> you know, what does the DJ do? Who's actually DJing this prom? You know. And what would that sound like for kids today? And that's what we really dug into. And we spent actually probably the most time on that dance break than we did um, on, on, and then building to that final 
chorus. Uh, and then finding the sound of that, you know, we, we recorded that, the group uh, that sings that last chorus at Henson, which is, you know, the We Are the World room uh, in LA, um, mm -hmm. the best choir room in the world. So mm -hmm. it just could sound huge. Yeah. Again, it's like, you know, with Netflix supporting us, we could do those things. Like, I, I'm like, this is what I want to do. I hear this in my head, let's go there. And they're like, okay, you know which was really fantastic. So it was just fun to just keep building that thing until it's just massive at the end. Mm. Um, and then it was never big enough for Ryan, of course. And then yeah. on the stage <laughs> mixing and he's like, it's not big enough, make it louder. I'm like, my ears are bleeding. Like how much louder can it be? <laughs> I mean, um, I swear he's deaf. He's gotta be deaf. <laughs> Um, and then uh, I feel like Tonight Belongs to You is connected to Time to Dance. In my head, I sort of think of Time to Dance as the reprise that actually achieves the thing that we all thought, uh, you know, Tonight Belongs to You actually was that uh, that closes both the film, you know, before the original music comes in and uh, and the show. Yeah, I mean, I don't think of it that way because uh, it's time to dance is even longer than tonight belongs to you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like these are two really. So no, we did not approach it that way, but obviously, it kind of is a reprise for every song in the movie. In, in a sense. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, but we thought of it as its own animal um, when we when we attacked that one. But I don't know how you guys feel. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely uh, a, a response to uh, the Act One finale, but it was also so much information happens in that song, both in the lyrics and in the little scenettes that happen in it. Mm -hmm. So it's really, yeah. we're trying to sum up everybody's story in, in <laughs> big thing. So it was, it definitely went through a lot of different uh, versions till we finally landed with this. Yeah, and for the film, uh, the scenes happen in different places. And I think one of those things was majorly thrown at you at the last second, Adam. I, I vaguely remember that, that you were in hell that day, mm -hmm. but you I mean, figured it out beautifully. And I think the flow of it, which is quite different than the Broadway version, really works beautiful on film with Carrie returning, which which is a big change. Um, but it's very emotionally satisfying, both musically and dramatically. Mm -hmm. So I was really happy with how that that happened. And it was it was a last minute change from what I remember. Yeah. There were a lot of last minute changes. On that one one that happened right on set where mm -hmm. I did a massive edit on set. Yeah, yeah. Um, which completely threw everything. And, and the funny thing is the, the next day I was supposed to fly to London to record the orchestra on, on all the songs, including that one. So I'd already done the score for it. We'd already done the charts and now I'm doing this massive edit. And then we realize I'm like on the plane and I get an email that we need to add something else. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what are we gonna do? It was a complete cluster. So then I ended up doing like three different versions of it in London. And then of course, all three of those didn't work once we got an edit in the editorial. So then we still had to redo it again. So it was a really difficult one yeah. uh, to figure out. Because like you said, the scenes kept moving yeah. constantly. And they required a different score. Yeah. So it was just like, so you, they would just kind of lift one section, drop it in the middle of the song somewhere else. I'm like, that doesn't work. <laughs> it's a musical yeah, train I heard one of those cuts. like, it sounds fine. Just put a crossfade on. I'm like, it does not sound I heard one of those cuts, fine. yes. It was an upsetting <laughs> it was day. So, it was horrendous. <laughs> uh, and I sent an email to Matt, don't worry, I'm fixing it. Yes, and yes. Like, and you yeah. did. And you yeah. did. It was not easy, but <laughs> thanks for noticing. Yeah. <laughs> but in addition to these, you know, great big numbers that do a lot of work and involve basically the entire cast of uh, the film, then you also have these numbers that are sort of real, uh, you know, kind of star turns and thinking particularly of Meryl Streep and James Corden's for their mm -hmm. individual numbers. I wonder if you could tell us about what su specifically surprised you and uh, thrilled you about what each of them brought to, you know, Meryl for The Ladies Improving and James for Barry's Going to the Prom. 
Well, the first time I heard Meryl sing Ladies Improving, I was just blown away. I had no idea, you know, she had that belt and she really has it. <laughs> It was just amazing watching her work. You know, I heard the her, you know, uh, I heard the pre-record, but then watching her shoot it on set. Um, I was there that day, and every single take she does is different, and every single take is brilliant. I mean, she gives the editor so much to do. I don't know how they make their decisions because it's really remarkable watching watching her work and and work through song. I mean, she's a great interpreter of song. She's really just just wonderful. And and James. It's an amazing, he's a great singer. And, you know, I, I love that, uh, you know, I didn't know until I heard it that he was going to pop up the end of going up to the high G on Barry's Going to Prom. And that was just made me very giddy. Yes, Barry. Look at me, Mom. Barry's going to prom. Yeah. That was just so so great but they're both you know they're both they're both stars for a reason they're just you know, yeah, world consummate performers talent. just yeah. world class yeah so you know, the thing the hardest thing with meryl was like you just said matt that she, every performance is different um so pre-recording her and locking her into something was problematic mm. in a sense I because bet. she hadn't she hadn't fully um visualized the scene yet yeah. So we had to work through that with her, and and I spent a lot of time on on that in particular because she's still creating the performance, right? Well, so yeah. she's like, well, how can I sing it this way if I end up maybe doing it that way? And it was just kind of that back and forth. And, well, and I remember when we were shooting Ladies Improving, she said she announced to everybody that she's like, I'm going to be re-recording the audio for the first two lines, and I'm going to be performing it, so it's not going to match. Don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Like, yep. Except we ended up keeping the original. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah, but you can but, edit that out, Dory. We changed something else, um, but just but the fact that we gave her that flexibility. Yeah. So it was like you have the freedom, do whatever you want. We will figure it out later. Right. And then once we had the edit, then we could look at it and go, that no longer works. And it wasn't necessarily what any of us thought would work or wouldn't work. So she was right. She just misplaced her statement, <laughs> yes. placed in the song. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it it was amazing actually how much it just stayed the same. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of the Broadway Podcast Network in association with Netflix and Sony Masterworks. Be sure to watch The Prom on Netflix and grab the soundtrack everywhere streaming music is found. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.